and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. will come from John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. Verse 19 sets the stage for this. I did not submit it for the screens, but verse 19 says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now picking up with verse 21, let us read together. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us bow together for prayer. Eternal God, show us your Word and your covenant in your Word, and your grace in your covenant, and your goodness in your grace, and your love in your goodness, and yourself in your love. And all in the face of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. This text out of John chapter 20 is in essence the Johannine version. And when we are in seminary and biblical training, when we say Johannine, we cluster the Gospel of John material and the writings in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and we call this the Johannine material. And so this is John's way, I think, of talking about a great commission. You remember the great commission at the end of Matthew chapter 28, go therefore into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize people. This is the sending forth, if you would. Well, in John chapter 20, you have this essential commissioning from the resurrected Christ to the disciples. The text begins in verse 19, talking about how the disciples had gathered behind locked doors because of fear. That's a whole other series that we could launch into as we are in the midst of this shalom, this peace of God, which in its essence means putting pieces back together. The peace of God, that doesn't mean that there isn't conflict, that doesn't mean there hasn't been pain, but that God's peace is greater than that. And I'll give you two illustrations, the first of which, having watched for the last two days, our nearly two-year-old grandson. Now, I've, I know there's a reason at the age of 57, God doesn't give us children like that. Amen. Holy cow. I was even talking to, to Matt to try to describe to him the difficulty I had this morning, because if you know anything about Matt Robinson, Matt Robinson walks every morning with Hank. In fact, I think Hank needs his own Facebook page, personally. It ought to be Hank and Big Cat, right? And so I looked at him and I said, yeah, we were up at 4.32 this morning. He said, you were up at 4.30 as well? I said, no, 4.32. He said, I wasn't up at 4.30. I said, no, we were up at 4.32. It was Abbott and Costello for a moment. 
I should have said 433 and it would have made perfect sense. Matt thought he was up at 432, just like I was. But we tried to keep up with that little guy, right? So when he's running around, he's full of vim and vigor, and he kind of falls, right? He scuffs his knee. What do you do with a child? You gather them up, right? It doesn't make the pain automatically go away. But it is that moment when you gather the child and you're bringing peace into the brokenness, peace into the hurt. And over time, that peace and that presence chases away the pain. Now, there'll still be scars, right? We still get back. We still have to clean things up. But there's a, a, a shalom, a peace of God that can be represented in the moment when God gathers us together. That fear that the disciples had. They'd heard the word of the resurrected Christ. They'd heard he'd been raised from the dead. They went to see the empty tomb. But they gather in the evening, and because of the fear that consumed them, they were behind locked doors, and Jesus appears to them. I'll never forget in class at Duke when we were talking about this particular text with Mickey Eford, and someone said, oh, it's sort of a beam-me-up Scotty kind of moment, right? He was just sort of in appearance. But you see often in John and in the Gospels a miraculous appearance and a miraculous taking away. But this is Jesus. You see that the good news of the Gospel just before we ever get to this text that we're looking at is that even locked doors can't keep the Christ who's pursuing you to find you. And when he comes to you, what does he say? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And so as we wrap ourselves, our minds, and our hearts around this text, the disciples are overjoyed when they hear this. And then there is the text that is both encouraging and perplexing. The first is as Jesus appears, he breathes on them and says, Peace be with you. My peace I give to you. This is sort of an echo of what happens at the beginning of creation. Because if you look at Genesis and you find in the Hebrew, it is the Ruach, the breath of God that breathes over all the chaos. It is the breath of God that speaks and says what? Let there be light. And there was light, right? The breath of God that brings into reality that which is not. Into the fear, into the presence the breath of God speaks. And Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. So it kind of be kind of perplexing. Well, didn't they already have the Holy Spirit? And so this is the second illustration I'll give to you with regard to the grandson. He's making two cameos today. The only thing I failed to do is put a picture of him up for you. But I'll have them on my phone as you leave. <laughs> when we see him, do you think we already have an established love in relationship to that child who can say, Gampa, Gampa. In fact, the other morning or the other night when we put him down Friday night, Gammy wouldn't come get him. And we knew we had to let him cry it out just a little bit, get to sleep. But man, I didn't know how hard it was when he went, Gampa. And we've got that little monitor. It was so clear, you know, and I start to roll up the chair and get up and Sean goes, no, you don't. If Gammy's not going in, Grandpa not going in either. <laughs> See, we already have that established relationship with that child, that love that is connected. So, so when I see him, and I gather him up, and he gives you the hugs, it, it's not as if I'm loving him for the first time. 
It's, 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 it's a love that's continuing. So when Jesus is present with the disciples, you know you've got Pentecost to come later in Acts chapter 2, right? It's not as if the Holy Spirit didn't already exist. There's a continuity of the narrative, the beauty and the wisdom of the text that teaches us how deep and mysterious God's love is for us. It's a reminder to those who had locked themselves behind closed doors because of fear that he says, my peace be with you. And he breathed on them and says, take this peace with you as a reminder of the relationship that he has established with them. When we think about the peace that's offered of God, the greatest challenge for us to be people of peace in the world is that we attempt to make peace with only our own efforts. And so we need to make available, ourselves available, to the work of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom and the teaching of Scripture, the challenge of God to, to renew that relationship and openness to what God would teach us. Or as a friend behind the piney curtain in East Texas once said, I get it, preacher. You've got to open yourself up to Christ, but you can't export what you haven't imported. Now think about that. That's a simple concept, but he was so right, right? If you haven't imported, if you haven't made yourself available to what God would pour into you, then you really have very little to export or to share with the world. And if you try to go about the work of peace in your own effort, you will be frustrated, and you will be limited, and you may get burned out. But when you're available to God, and God's pouring his peace through you, you recognize that you are a part of something that is so much greater than you are, a transcendent truth which reaches across all time, a God who seeks to make us agents of reconciliation in this world, echoing from Romans 5 that since we have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ, let us be reconciled to him and to each other, making peace. Then we may be tired and worn out, but we won't get burned out. But peace is something that flows through us, doesn't originate only in us. That's an encouraging word. But what a challenge it is to hear that text. That as Jesus is sending them forth in this commissioning, receive the Holy Spirit, I'm sending you out. And then he has this perplexing, perplexing phrase that upon the surface in the NIV translation belies and betrays the meaning of the Greek and also in the Aramaic. If you forgive anybody their sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them their sins, they are not forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't know that I had that much power. In a surface reading, it would appear that you had that power. Well, we don't have that kind of power to actually give people absolution for their sins. One of the hallmarks within the Protestant Reformation is Luther reminding us that we have a priestly function to each other together. So when we get into the great thanksgiving, you'll hear the words after the confessional. I'll speak the words, hear the good news, Christ died for our sins, that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You speak that to each other and to the celebrant. Not because you are the author of forgiveness, 
but you're echoing the heavenly chorus of what God has done. The better translation within this actually comes from the RSV and the New American Standard. Because if this is a commissioning text, it's, it's got to be connected to that purpose of, con- of commissioning. And as Jesus is sending the disciples, the meaning that underlies it, this sense of, of not, their sins are not forgiven, the word is actually retained. And if you dig in that word in the Greek, it means not let go of. Right, so what this text is really talking about is this group of disciples that are hiding behind locked doors because of fear, that have now been empowered and are being sent to the world by God in the power of his strength. Hear this amazing word. You've got to go tell people about forgiveness because when you do, then their sins will be forgiven. The brokenness between them and me will be forgiven. It'll be, it'll be crossed over. I'll know people's hearts. But if you don't do that, They're not going to know. They're not going to be able to let go. You see, it's not about you and I as authors of saying, you're forgiven, you're not. You're forgiven, you're not. It's about us saying as we engage in the work of kingdom building as agents of the gospel, when we proclaim the good news of God's love, we give room for God to move. Not that God needs permission. But I once heard it said this way, you may be the only Bible that some people read. You may be the only sermon that some people hear. Or as I quote the words of St. Francis of Assisi so often, go preach the gospel to everybody that you meet. And his words are, and if thou dost find it necessary, use words. Friends, you and I are called to this table today because it's a reminder that this table is open. This is where God says, I want to meet you. I want a tangible reminder to you that I have loved you with an everlasting love. And it's as we make ourselves available to receiving and bringing to God what wounds, what hurt, what difficulties we have, we make space for God's peace to move within us. And I believe that one of the things that's most important in the context of this sending forth as we are all sent forth is to understand that when we proclaim this peace and this love of God, it does not mean that everything is wonderful. My personal conviction and belief is that what the world that does not know the hope that we know, those who have not heard the gospel or have been wounded or are choosing not to be engaged, I believe that the greatest witness to a world for anybody who doesn't know or want to be in church is not the skinny jean smile that God loves you and everything's wonderful. I believe it's life is messy, life hurts, I've got questions, and all I can really tell you is the only way I make it through is I'm loved with an everlasting love by God, and I put my faith in Christ. I think there is a whole portion of our world and culture that hungers to know they are not alone. The church doesn't have every scripted little answer as if it is arithmetic. It's messy work being people of faith. It's messy work being able to hold together the tensions of what we think we have figured out and what the unfinished work of God's kingdom still is. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that, 
It's a God who says, my peace I give to you. And I send you in that peace into the world. There's a hymn at some point, and maybe next week, Matt, we ought to sing it and put it on. Shalom to you, my friend. Shalom, shalom. What we pray for in the midst of this series is that you understand that when you leave today, when you're sent forth into the world, you're like those disciples gathered behind the locked doors. Leave your fear at this place. Receive the reminder of God's embrace to you who sends you in his peace into the world to be a conduit, not the answer to every question, but one who's willing to walk with and journey with those who hunger to know what you experience in this place today. I pray God gives you heartburn for all that is unsettling in the world, that God will help you to see more clearly and to hear more clearly those around you that need to know this kind of peace. Let us pray together. God, as we gather around this table, we are mindful that it is your love that brings us to this place, your peace that walks with us amidst all of life's challenges and questions. So help us to hear that commissioning peace that you send us into the world, not in our own strength, but yours. Help us to make ourselves available to you and help us to remember that the most important thing is not our ability but our availability to you. For this we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen.